Kelman on CliffCentral.com. What's happening, Mr. Golden? Oh, pleasure to meet you. Hello. Yeah. Nice. Uh, live from West Hollywood in uh, California. Uh, early in How's the morning. That delay? <laughs> How's that delay working for everybody? Uh, no, it's Are fine. You, like, like 20 seconds after I talk? No, nah, it's perfect. It's perfect. I can hear you loud and clear. That's terrific. <laughs> I, by the way, I fold my underwear. Is that weird? That's weird. Jeffrey, I didn't how, know that was weird. No, Jeffrey, how do you do it? But what underwear do you wear? You see, this is where, you know, it, it makes a difference. I actually, I actually wear a, a mix of boxers and briefs. I'm very strange that way. And when people say boxers or briefs, I have to say, I got to go down the middle, folks. I got to go down the middle. <laughs> sometimes it's a boxer day. Sometimes it's a brief day. I don't know. Well, I don't know until I wake up. <laughs> Uh, tell me about the process of folding underwear. How do you do it? So it, it comes out the laundry, and then do you fold it into three? Do you, how do we do this? We do a fold over. We do a uh, usually a fold over lengthwise, and oh. then so the band is folded over. Oh, that's not and bad. Then, uh, and, and then stuff it in there. Okay, nice one. And are you yeah. like? Is, does it throw your whole day off if you open up the drawer and the underwear isn't folded? Uh, it doesn't. I'm fine with that. But the but the sheets thing, I definitely just stuff them in there. <laughs> so there's no lo- there's no logic to the sheets. It's just literally like that's too unwieldy to fold. Just <laughs> stuff them in the cupboard. <laughs> Hurry. So get them in there. So these intricacies and these unique little quirks that every human being has. For you, it's folding your underwear. For someone else, it is uh, folding a sheet. Uh, for you as a comedy writer, these are the things that you need to study in order to write stuff that people find funny, right? Because it's so personal. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's so many different types of humor and some of it is about folding underwear and others are, are about uh, your opinion on Star Wars, which is very important right now. So, you know, I, I think just paying attention is key and, uh, and the details. The funny humor is usually, I think, in, in the details. It's how, people react it's how people you know uh, it's people's opinions it's just the little things that people say i think there's a lot of humor to be mined there is it your job as is it your job as a comedy writer to kind of expose the truths of people's human experiences and hold up a mirror to them and say this is you and actually this is hilarious why the hell do you do that (laughs) um i i would love to people do say that there is truth in comedy, but I also think there's a lot of farts in comedy. Um, But I guess there's a truth, I guess there's a truth to that too. You know, what you're saying is somebody farts because people actually do fart with as much as we want to hide it, as much as we might want to say, no, people never fart. They do. So we got to be, we got to be honest with ourselves. I don't know. I, I think the thing with the saying truth, it's like, it's a loaded word. It's uh, not everything I write or do will probably, you know, speaks to truth to power or something like that. But I think that I try in in, in little ways to, uh, you know, to say what how I actually feel about something. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess it's a, it's the way that you express what you feel about stuff. And you wouldn't be able to do it in any other way other than, you know, writing it down and making it sort of particularly funny to people, which is an unbelievable way of expressing how you feel about things. I think my uh, my dad would have wished that I could have expressed it as a computer programmer <laughs> or as a doctor. <laughs> it's a more lucrative and a more lucrative profession. <laughs> but uh, 
But yeah, no, I just can't help it. It's been uh, who I am since I was in grade school. Uh, such an interesting story. Obviously, uh, you grew up in Buffalo and you used to sit in your bedroom and write parody yep. songs until you became a top parody songwriter on mp3.com. I remember that website. Uh, and you, do you really? I think I do. I mean, how many years ago is this? Like th- th- about t- yeah. 10 years ago? This would have been 98, 99. We're talking like Napster. Like Napster is like just yeah. taking off. I do remember this. I remember everyone was looking for ways to get music illegally and mp3.com always used to come up. <laughs> I know. Yes. It's with the songs that nobody wanted by <laughs> bands that no one's ever heard no, of. No, but you made these unbelievable parody songs. You were sitting in a bedroom in Buffalo. I mean, you were what, 16 years old at the time? Yeah, 16. And and kind of, how, how does one get to that point where you're doing that? I mean, do your friends tell you that you're funny and then you think, let me add music to it and make songs about it? Or how did you get to that point at 16 where you were in your bedroom and, and writing these parody songs? And also, how did you get so insightful at that age that you, you thought you'd have a sort of satirical and a parody take on, on things that were happening in the world? Uh, I think it's... I think it's less from insight and more just from imitation, from just wanting to be the, my, my heroes were, uh, people like, well, of course, like there's obviously Weird Al Yankovic, uh, who I've met now a couple of times, which is really cool. Um, people like Stan Freeberg, uh, like really old, like there's, uh, sort of this group of 1950s comedians who nobody knows about anymore, but like Stan Freeberg and, Bob and Ray, who, uh, Bob Newhart to an extent, who, who were very satirical, who were, who liked to make fun of people in comedy. And that's who, when I was growing up, that's who I was listening to the most. Um, and that's who I, who I admired. And so really, even from like the earliest age, I was drawing comics, um, where I was, you know, like Mad Magazine was a big influence. I would draw comics imitating Mad. And I think like a lot of teens who would make humor, who make comedy on the internet, it was just sort of like, well, I don't have a reason not to do this. You know what I mean? It's like I have the, I have a microphone, I have a computer, I can download terrible sounding midis from the internet. Midis being old, uh, old instrumental uh, audio files mm. that you used to download. This is this is prehistoric uh, <laughs> music trading online. This is like. Basically, like a, a grade down from karaoke audio tracks, uh, <laughs> karaoke tracks were these MIDI were these MIDI files, but they were out there, and it was like, hey, I could do what my heroes do. I could make fun of of people in songs. I could make fun of mm. popular songs. Also, it was uh, TRL was really big at that time, yeah. and everybody was watching TRL if you were of a certain age. And so Total Request Live with uh, Cars with Carson Daly, um, and that was like that was such a big deal, and it mm. was such like a flashpoint. Everybody of a certain age group, it seemed, watched it, and so uh, I knew like if I could make fun of those songs that were on there, uh, mm. people would pay attention, and to, to a small extent, they did. It was fun. And then flash forward to now, I mean, it's been such an unbelievable growth process for you in the past few years. You're a publisher. You're the founder of The Devastator, which is the only all-humor press that there is in America. That's a very, very big deal. Uh, and, and so I guess in, in retrospect for you, looking at how everything sort of progressed and evolved in your career, it leaves you feeling what? 
it leaves me feeling exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud. I am. I am. Uh, it, legitimately, I am. Of course, very proud of of what I've accomplished. But it's like it never feels like you, it's it's enough. If that makes sense, mm. it's like it's all. It's always like, what's the next thing I can do? Where's the next place I can go? You know. And if you're not thinking that, it's for me. It's kind of like being a shark, right? Like sharks have to swim. They have to keep swimming around. And like if they stop swimming, they die. Mm. At least that's what I'm told about sharks. <laughs> At least that's uh, what I know. I, I don't know if that's accurate, but it's something I've heard. Um, so speaking of uh, speaking of truth, semi-truth is what <laughs> comedy is uh, is made out of. But uh, but yeah, so so I just have to keep doing this and I, I just want to keep finding new and better and more awesome ways of doing it. And the Devastator Press, this is uh, this is really something I am truly, uh, really proud of. Mm. Uh, what we've accomplished in the last five years is, is, I think, pretty remarkable. Tell me about when you meet people, and for them it's a complete mess up of the mind uh, that you, in your day-to-day life, are able to make the words comedy and work work for you because a lot of people also then i mean i guess you walk into a room you complain about a hard day at work and people also can't take you seriously because your job is comedy and people you know would be unable to understand that because for them that's kind of just a thing that they do when they want to relax but tell me about what it is when that's your nine to five and how the relationship with the changes the the relationship changes uh, because you add things that you would traditionally think are work into the equation. So if I'm just making, co- you know, if I'm just writing funny comedy songs or performing on YouTube in my bedroom and po- posting them on YouTube, like that's not a job necessarily. Maybe you get paid for it, which is cool, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. When it feels like work is like, for example, with the Devastator, I do spreadsheets. Like a lot of what I do is budgets. We have 12 books that come out in a year. We have a certain amount of money and I have to make sure that the, you know, that the budgets work. I have Mm. to make sure that people get their work in on time. You know, um, when I work for, you know, when I work for a company like a major media company, you have a boss. Your boss might not like the stuff that you're producing or might have want to make notes or changes. Maybe I've done work for ad for like advertising for clients, and sometimes you'll make tons of changes because uh, you know you're working. You're not really working for one person. You're working for twenty, hmm. and each of them gets an equal voice in the creative process. And you have to try to to satisfy all those different people. And so, like when comedy becomes work, it feels like a job, hmm. you know. But that's not to say, like, The Devastator, you know, my, I run it with my partner, Amanda, and we're the boss, you know. So it is a job because it is hard work, but it's also, you know, rewarding because we get to watch it grow. And it's something that we've put our our time and uh, and effort into. Mm. So. so all these years ago, back in the 2000, uh, back in 1998, 1999, or whenever it was, uh, with Napster and all of that, I've even forgotten the year now. That's how long ago it was. Uh, but when you were 16, you were <laughs> too sitting long. In, too long, sitting in this bedroom in <laughs> Buffalo, uh, making these parody songs, and you were using the internet to convey your message. And and would you say that the internet has kind of changed the course of comedy? Because a lot of us you look at the internet and we think our oh, social media is what's come out of that, e-commerce is what's come out of that. But what has the internet done for comedy? 
It's done. Uh, it's done so many things for comedy. It's it's insane. It's given uh, voice to people who would otherwise not be in the conversation. Um, when I was growing up, the logic about how do you be, you know, if you if I was if you asked somebody how do you be a comedy writer, it's like the first thing they would say is you move to Los Angeles um, or New York because that's where the industry is, and if you're not there, you're not part of it. And now, I mean, there are people with, you know, important, you know, with with super popular web series, Vine stars, you know, mm. people who they don't all live in California, Los Angeles. They they, they live places across the world and we can see uh, more perspectives than ever. So more types of different types of people, different types of comedy. So mm. comedy isn't just for people who have the means to pick up and move to Los Angeles. It's. It's democratized. It's mm. somebody on Twitter who, you know, comes out with an amazing Twitter account and then all of a sudden is part of the conversation. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what, uh, what uh, the internet has done. It's, it's given voice to a group of people who would otherwise not be part of comedy. It absolutely has given, you know, a voice to a lot of different perspectives, but talk to me about the journey one has to go on to find what your perspective is. Because that's also, I mean, the internet's there. It's this amazing tool. But how do you find right. what your perspective is that's going to differentiate you from the other person on Vine or on Instagram or on Twitter? Well, you have to go on a spirit quest. <laughs> you have to, it's usually, it's about three, I'd say three months, four months, but you can book them now online. They're really, it's really fun. You go into a sweat lodge, you come out with a yeah. vision for your personality. <laughs> the, I, I, you know, it's funny. It's just one of those things, it's like saying, like, how does somebody grow out of puberty? You know, mm, how does somebody yeah. grow from puberty? It's like, it's it's part of, I, I think perspective comes from knowing your craft and then doing your craft so much, like, like for practicing it so much that eventually it's just, the, eventually you just sort of the two things just come together. Mm. I mean, to be honest, like there are people... Uh, you know, there are people I know who have been working for a long time who I don't know if I would necessarily say they found their perspective um, in terms of in terms of humor. And then I know people who discover it almost instantly. And you can see like on on YouTube and on Twitter and stuff like people who, you know, you hear, oh, you read a profile piece. Oh, this person is 17 years old and they managed to produce a genius Twitter <laughs> account, you know, Um I think it's just it's it's one of those things that comes with practice, with perspective, just with, um, you know, just just not being afraid to say things, yeah. not being afraid to try and say things and see what happens, you know. And one shouldn't, be, one shouldn't be intimidated to get it wrong, right? Because getting wrong, getting it wrong is, is half the half the process. Getting it wrong is the most important thing you'll do. Mm. You have to get it wrong. I mean, for most people, most people aren't savants like most people have to get it wrong a lot of times and for me i've gotten it wrong probably more than anybody um but that's just you just have to do you just have to keep getting it wrong because eventually when you get it right it's like oh of course of course that makes so much sense now Mm. um and it's like it's like the race has suddenly started you know um, but until then, yeah, it's just a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of just taking chances. And mm. again, it's like, 
it's not like a chance like you have to move to a whole other city you have to move to a whole other place to do it like it's a chance that like you start a twitter account for free and you start tweeting it's there's it's time but it's, it's not you know money resources it's doable you just got to do it. Listen, I walked into this uh, hoping to take away from from your story what it is to take something that you're passionate about, something that you start at the age of 16 in your bedroom in Buffalo and how you turn that into something you do every day and maintain the love for it and maintain the passion for it. And I think that you've, you've really delivered here, Jeffrey. It's an incredible story. Oh, well, thank you so much. You've delivered. <laughs> you delivered the good question. How about that? Listen, you're such a rock star. Uh, I know that keeping up with you is easy. It's a Jeffrey Golden on Twitter. What's the most important thing, though, that you want people to know about Jeffrey Golden? Uh, I want them to know that uh, that I write humor books, and uh, and I just I'm part of a, a new one right now. It's called the Devastator Space Epic. It's a collection of comics and comedy, all parodying uh, the, the year 3015, if you will. It's cool. a parodies of Star Wars, Star Trek, Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's called The Devastator Space Epic, and they can get it on Amazon and at DevastatorPress.com. So, so dope. Listen, dude, thank you so much for hanging out live from West Hollywood in California. That's writer, editor, and total badass Jeffrey Golden. Jeffrey, enjoy the rest <laughs> of your day, dude. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. So Bye, dope. guys. Uh, cool little chat there with uh, Jeffrey Golden. Uh, and we were speaking about finding your voice on the internet, finding what your perspective is. You know that we are big proponents of the internet here at cliffcentral.com. It's the reason we have that whole movement, Internet Central, which is about helping you figure out how you find what your voice is on Twitter, what it is on Facebook. How do you get these things to work for you and not be intimidated by them? And, of course, if you want to find out more about MWeb, who will help you get great internet, you can join them online at mweb.co.za. Uh, hook up with them on Twitter. It's at MWeb Connect. Or you can check them out on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash MWeb. Kelman on cliffcentral.com.